clear. We are the weirdos. I am God. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Ots Tyrion. Happy Pride. It is Happy I. Happy Pride. It is I, your co-host, Jordan Cruciola, and I am with... Sam Weinman. And you know, Happy Pride, I think, I think extends into July this year because Barbie comes out at the end of July. Wow, and yeah, that's, so, that is two months of Pride right there. I don't think Pride can end until Barbie comes out, actually. I love that. Yeah. Um, that, that's how I'm, that's how I'm going to play it. Um... Unfortunately, that's not how the Pride t-shirts that I'm doing are going. <laughs> Those will only go until the end of June. So, okay. but friends, listen. If yeah, you, th- well, then this is this is important. This is for you. So this is important. Um, I'm raising money for AIDS life cycle. And I've done that by teaming up with Poltergeist and Paramours to make a bunch of horror Pride shirts. So you have like, basically, if you're listening to this right now, you have like three, two, three days. Jump on there and get it. So go. We've got yeah. so I I'm really stoked because um I got to do some designs in my dreams like when I was doing the the queer horror doc there were mm-hmm. a lot of tropes that I came across that I kind of loved whether you know or tropes and terms like yeah problematic villain who yeah. doesn't feel like a problematic villain sometimes so I took <laughs> yeah. like the trope and then a minimalist design so there's like a little ice pick because our girl Sharon Stone That's in right. Basic Instinct kills with an ice pick and she's a problematic villain. Or, and you have options for t-shirts that are not just black. They aren't. And you know that's important to me. I yes. love horror shirts, but I can't wear most of them because I otherwise I, I don't wear a lot of black. Yeah. So I made sure that each one of them, like on the site, it pops up in black. But if you click color, there's a color option. Like the problematic villain one is in blue. Or like that, um, the Jennifer's Body one, there's one with like a lighter on a tongue and it says by visibility. That one comes in pink. And I obviously like, I like by visibility isn't like my flag, but... I can't not get the Jennifer's body one. I think you would look very cute. But I support by visibility. So I am an ally to those buys wishing to be visible. I think queer sensibility. There mm-hmm. is a good one to point out because it is just Gail Weathers bangs from Scream 3. Are you going to help Gail Weathers or not? And the final gay one, which has like the glasses from um, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and the little popper thing. Mm-hmm. I heard from Emma that the artist that um, she brought on to design to execute that design was the same artist that did some of the designs for the documentary of the Nightmare on Elm Street 2 doc. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. That's really fun. Um, so anyways, we've got cool stuff there. So go check it out. It's um, The link is in my Twitter and in my Instagram bio, so you can just go and click it. It's Poltergeist and Paramours. And all proceeds go to AIDS Lifecycle. Happy Pride! Happy Pride! There it is! And you know what? Speaking of speaking of bi... Speaking of... Oh, speaking of yes. bi visibility. Bi like, visibility. Sh- oh my shockingly, god. Shockingly, this is... I didn't expect bi visibility to be so on message with the movie that we are going to discuss today. But guess what? Yeah. It is. It the is. 2006 of it all, regardless, by visibility is on hand today. I gotta say, I have seen this movie a dozen times. And I don't know why it didn't occur to me until this watch through how fucking progressive is, that is. Specifically I, that. You guys, this movie, which we will tell you the title of shortly. This movie, like everything about it in on paper says that you're going to play this for a room of people in 2023 and you're all going to be going, and you're going to be cringing the entire time. And I found myself doing that so infrequently in this movie. I, like, a select few times was I like, oof, time was not kind of, no. This movie holds up. This is, this is some of the peak 
queer representation yes. of the 2000s in film. Yes, which is why, even though this is not a horror film, we are making this a special Pride edition of Osterion because you need to know about it. It's and important. What, what is it called? Today's film is Eating Out Two Sloppy Seconds. Eating Out Two Sloppy Seconds. And you hear that title and you're like, what the fuck? And before you turn it off, because I know you haven't seen this movie. Right. Well, okay, not you. Not you, the person listening right now that's like, holy shit, they're really doing this. <laughs> yeah. But I know most of you have not seen Eating Out Two Sloppy Seconds. And I got to tell you, that's okay. We're going to hold your hand and walk you through it and why it's important. Because one, you don't even need to see the first one. Honestly, nobody really needs to see the first one. Yeah. The first but one is, as you've, as you've it's ex- uh, explained, it's just softcore, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a softcore comedy romp. You yeah, know, okay. it's like a... Yeah. It's it's not it's and, and I'll explain a little bit more about that in a sec because I think it's important to look at that place in the 2000s timeline. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen Eating Out Two Sloppy Seconds, I suggest that you keep listening. Um, we are going to take you through some very important history and also take you through some things in this film that I think barely exist in queer cinema now. I think like I think I said at the time because this was a movie night experience watching it, it felt like. I think I said it was like, Glee could never. Glee like, could never. You're gay, Blaine. I thought I was, but I've never even had a boyfriend before. Isn't this the time you're supposed to figure stuff I out? I that I'm hearing this Maybe right I'm now. Bi. I don't know. Bisexual is a term that gay guys in high school use when they want to hold hands with girls and feel like a normal person for a change. And that's what you missed on It is softcore in, in its way. There is sex. There are dicks. Like, it is, like, blue humor through and through. I'm Gwen. The girl with the big boobs is Tiffany. The guy with the small... I'm Kyle. Mm -hmm. But it still has... It's still, like, an after-school special in its messaging at points. But because it is engaging with, like, sex and blue humor and, yes, regressive jokes from the 2000s. Do you have any idea what it's like to be a gay man trapped inside a woman's body? It doesn't leave you with that sense of you're watching something that's, like, treacly and hand-holdy. It's just like, hey, this is actually an important point to make. So we should say very explicitly things like, hey, don't exploit queer kids. Yep. And be like, oh my God, you're right. That is the message we should be delivering. Say it. And it doesn't feel overwrought. Yes. Because amidst the the silliness and the like B-moviness of the rest of it, it just has like a wonderful sincerity and sentimentality to it. There are plenty of rainbow fish in the sea. Ha ha. Plenty of cocks in the hen house. Mom. Plenty of freshman ass in the locker room. Ew, mom. Kyle, I am really trying here. Let me tell you about the Eating Out franchise, just an overview. So I say franchise because there are five installments. Not one and two. <laughs> That's right. Five. This And what we're, get, what we're bringing to you is basically the final destination of the Eating Out series. The final destination five of the Eating Out series. Mm. Like this is not because it's like a surprise prequel. Whoops. Um, but because this movie is just it it exceeds the whole series is a good time this sequel is uh it is something else like to give you an example part one had like a 19 percent of rotten tomatoes mm-hmm. part three got a 17 which by the way unjust watch watch part three it's good it has chris salvatore yeah, you who's said, in the quiet you room. said you you weren't you weren't sure if 
part two or three was your favorite more that like one so more those so than the other so i'm thrilled to move on to three at a certain point you know why it's because there is a comedian rebecca cochan that's the one that plays tiffany and she's so good and i i think i just love what she does in part three so much honey i'm as reliable as birth control (laughs) that's not a hundred percent take it or leave it and also Mm -hmm. i'm a big fan of chris salvatore obviously i cast him in the quiet room Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's fantastic, and that movie introduces him. But part two, so while those have 17 19%, part two has a 44%. Now, look, that's not something you're like, oh, wow, this is huge. It's certified fresh. But But considering... Considering the context, this is a... uh, When it came out, this is like nobody wants... Like, straight people aren't clamoring for the series. You know what I mean? Like, critics aren't like, oh, shit, we got to review the eating outs. So to get a 44%, (laughs) I think people... I think people were pleasantly surprised. So at this time, there was a huge DVD market for straight-to-DVD um, yep. gay content. And yeah. These and if you, movies... you've heard us mention David Dakota on this pod. Like, this uh-huh. plays in a similar sandbox as his kinds of movies. It does. And in some ways, I don't know that this would exist without it, without those. I, I, no, I I'm think going you're totally back, right. Um, and, and because of that, I think that it's important to look at, well, maybe we should actually go back. Go back to the, the very beginning of this okay. decade. Okay. This because, one that we're currently in? Well, of the of the of the of the odds to explain Oh, this. okay, got it. Good, good. So yeah. I'm so brief overview. We've got 2001, 9-11, holy shit, the country gets homophobic fast. We've got a culture of homophobia because we are like lifting up masculinity and we're saying this is it. And everything that falls short of masculinity is not it. And that's gays. And so, mm-hmm. and that's gays. That's when everything like gay is a slur. I mean, it is like it's like oh, that's so gay. Like, listen, Hillary Duff's that's so gay advertisement. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like this top? It's so gay. Really? Yeah, it's totally gay. You know, you really shouldn't say that. Say what? Well, say that something's gay when you mean it's bad. It's insulting. What if every time something was bad, everybody said? Oh, that's so girl wearing a skirt as a top. Oh, you are. <laughs> Those are cute jeans, though. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. You shouldn't say that. Yeah. Do you know what you say? Like, that doesn't come out until <laughs> 2008. So we are seven years before Hillary Duff solves homophobia. Yeah. Okay? In mm-hmm. 2001. And so at that point, that's when David Dakota shines. David Dakota is a director who made straight-to-DVD horror marketed supposedly marketed to women but clearly marketed to gay men by putting shirtless ab dudes on the front of everything starting with voodoo academy in the year 2000 you have no idea what you're messing with your son you must punish him reverend i wonder if it hurts Mm-hmm. Now, technically, it started with Puppet Master uh, 5, I think it was, Curse oh, okay. of Puppet Master in 98, because it was like, everybody saw that and we were like, holy shit, what? But okay. he actually had to change his name as the director on that one to a woman's name, and I think that's why. Oh, interesting. Yeah, would so love to interview that man. So too gay, like the, uh-huh. gay, the gay gays coming from David Dakota. Yeah, definitely. He definitely directed my favorite Puppet Master, I'll tell you that. But... <laughs> So Voodoo Academy happens in 2000. And this sounds like a guy who needs an Amityville horror movie. Oh my God, give him a we fucking Amityville. We need the Amityville. gay erotica, David Dakota, Amityville horror movie. The best franchise when it comes to going totally off the fucking rails. Yes, because nobody owns it. <laughs> anybody. so crazy. Anybody can make it. Uh, like, I could make an Amityville movie and call it a sequel. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, friends, I don't know if you know that. If you're in film school, go make an Amityville. 
You're allowed to. You're allowed to. It's like Shakespeare. It's just common property. That's it. So 2000, we get Voodoo Academy. 2001, we get The Brotherhood. By the way, 2001, we also get The Brotherhood too. Crazy. We get two in one year. But David Dakota directs like eight movies a year. No joke. Like go look up his IMDb. It's yeah. They're half. He's like the he's like the R.L. Stein of of straight to DVD (laughs) movies. It's unbelievable. It's like does he have a ghost director? Right, yeah. Is 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 David Dakota a guy who shows up on set and drinks coffee and thirty seven interns? Yeah, it, David Dakota. James Patterson. Does he secretly direct in a tent? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And we're like, wait, no, nobody's ever actually seen him. Nobody Who's behind the curtain? Him. Yeah, um, he's he's the great and powerful Oz. Gotta say, two thousand one one has Brotherhood two, which is to me the superior Brotherhood. And mostly because it stars, stars Sean Ferris. Sean Ferris. Sean fucking Ferris. It also has the uh, Scream knockoff that year, Final Stab. And 2003 has a particularly boring installment that I love called Leeches. Now, <laughs> here, is, here is what they are. They are all too slow. The pacing is, is unbelievable. <laughs> too slow. But what they did give us was guys in their boxer briefs and sometimes nudity. And why is that important? So the internet is so much younger than it feels like sometimes. Like, we're really not all getting internet access until the late 90s. And even then, it takes like 10 minutes to download a picture. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, in terms of like fast internet, I feel like that's like when we're going off to college. In yep. like the early to mid 2000s. Where it's just like, oh yeah, you log on and it's fine. And you're not taking up the family phone line. Yeah, and that took a while. So in 2000, when Voodoo Academy comes out and it's got guys in boxer briefs and you can get it at Blockbuster Video, that's a big fucking deal because you know what Blockbuster Video didn't carry? Porn. Porn. And honestly, not really even gay content because when Itumama Tembien came out, they cut Ooh. out the fucking gay scene on the Blockbuster, Blockbuster release. Oh God, that's release. Blockbuster edited that fucking movie. And like there an is, airplane, those And there bastards. is no warning that it says that. So if you watch the Blockbuster release, you never even knew how that movie ended. So... Gonna share that with you. This is how they got under the radar. That's why these things were, a, a, they knocked it out of the park. So all they had to do was put a, a basically a naked torso of a guy. And then the movies would have, by the way, the guys and the, the good guys always wore white boxer briefs and the bad guys always wore black boxer briefs. How fucking fantastic is that? And there's always like some witch. You know what I mean? Because what's gayer than a witch? There's always some witch. So when we're looking at that market and the boom of that market, the thing that happens simultaneously is this boom of straight-to-DVD content for queers. And that's because yeah. we are not getting... Again, we don't have the access to... Like, the internet access isn't connecting us the way that it connects the generation that comes after us. Yeah. Internet is there as a tool. You're asking Jeeves for things. Do you, yeah. know, you remember Ask Jeeves You're instead of Google? Jeeves. Like, we're, we're, it's literally a website where you talk to... <laughs> it's like a butler holding something, yeah, and you type in your question, and then it answers yeah. it. That's before Google. Ask Jeeves, guys. So... Asking, you know, C- asking Siri, but without any of the convenience. The video store for us was our access to culture, our own mm-hmm. culture, especially if you're in a small town and you don't have a gay bar, but you can get eating out too on DVD. you definitely don't have anything but shitty dial-up. Yeah. And by, by hiding this and saying that it's marketed to women, they were able to put it on the shelves everywhere. So all of that inevitably leads to 2003's The Hole, which is its own episode someday. I definitely right, believe we should do. Right, that is its own episode someday. That's it its is, own episode. It is a gay porn spoof of the ring. In seven days, you will be gay. It made more money than any gay porn in history at that point. So just throwing that out there. But yeah. where does this throw us with Eating Out? Eating Out comes out in 2006. And I will say briefly, 2004 is that mar- that's when Massachusetts became the first state, the first marriage equality state in the country. So we are only two years after the first state legalizes marriage. 
But what happens when that happens? Well, aside from 2004's release of Chucky and Hellbent, because queer horror history. Yes, please. But yeah. what happens? Oh, and of course, both of those movies are seen as complete failures, yeah. uh, even though they're fantastic. Um, by 2006, this is when states begin pushing anti-gay legislation in the name of the sanctity of marriage. Yep. So we have 2008 is, of course, notoriously the Prop 8 year. So we're still mm-hmm. two years off of that in Hillary Duff. So in 2006, it's all states, conservative people putting through um, bans on same-sex marriage state by state. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time that queer activists begin looking, begin forming organizations that are looking into why is this happening? Mm-hmm. Why is this on the rise? What can we do? How do we fight it in media? And that's where things get tricky, right? 2006 is a very precarious time to be queer. Because we're not, there isn't, there is not the mobilized action of ha- hashtag no hate. Yep. There isn't the organized. That's, which is in 2008, where 2009. There, there isn't the organized act, there isn't the organized pushback against the Bush administration's nope. state-sanctioned and operationalized war on queer people. Yes. And so it takes a couple years still before there's a coalescing around a campaign message, catchy slogans, and like ginning up broader public support for the notion of gay people getting married. So this is just like the onslaught of bad shit. Yep. And so we as queer people existing in a world that has especially young people who just grew up on everything that we learned from 9-11 and mm-hmm. all of the cultural like I I came out after that so that mm-hmm. means that like the person I I was spoon-fed all of that garbage and then internalized all that homophobia and that became a part of the fabric of who I was in the 2000s mm-hmm. without me ever knowing it and that was the case for many many queer people mm-hmm. and so what is happening at this time is we have not come together to say this is the, the gay agenda may be talked about all the time by conservatives, but we didn't have one. Yeah. yeah. Right? There like, was there was not at a time, like, because, you know, in the way that the 1990s had a sense of queer radicalism about them that went a bit wider, like, not necessarily mainstream, but wider in terms culturally of something like the new queer cinema movement. And you obviously had, you know, pop figures like a Madonna that yep. were, you know, queer icons and in her pushing like that aesthetic of of erotica and like gay sex and hedonism bacchanalia like there were pop culture signifiers coming out of the late 80s into the early 90s during the the crescendo of the AIDS epidemic that forced a kind of confrontational queerness into the culture in a way that I feel like we hadn't seen in years since you know it it seems like the po- the end of the production code, the riots at Stonewall, the sort of... Yes. It forcing into the culture of figures like John Waters, a Rocky Horror Picture Show, that sort of blissful time, it seemed like, yeah. in the possibility of queer cinema between the ending of the Hayes Code and the onset of the AIDS crisis. Like, there was a spirit of... of burn it down that came with 90s queerness that infiltrated into modern cinema into blockbuster cinema in movies like to Wong Fu Thanks for Everything Julie Newmar and in The Birdcage that are feeding off of the fringe elements from like Strand Releasing and works by Greg Araki but then like oh, Greg there is that crashing down on into a realm of purely normativity yes. in the wake of 9-11 where everything that wasn't on message and USA and homo nation and, and heteronationalism 
was policed, was surveilled, and it was sort of eliminated. And so then, like, then we, of course, have to fight for our equality in the most normative way possible, which is the right to marry. But at that yes. point, it was the only way to get in that was and it. be recognized as was like, well, listen, you guys understand marriage, right? Like you hold up marriage as the totem and foundation of society. So we're saying we want a piece of that, too. We're saying we want to be a part of the backbone of society. And that to you in your Christian evangel- in evangelism is marriage. So fuck you, us too. Yes. And that kind of assimilation led to a lot of the topics that are being tackled in Eating Out 2. So, Shockingly true! And I, I want to say that the, the, the post-9-11 culture of homophobia that we're talking about led to two really big things that ultimately led to Eating Out 2. So one is nudity, right? Mm. Um, so this culture of homophobia meant that we had to hide queer nudity and, and, and the place to find it, not queer nudity, but had that, like, queer sex is such a no-no that if you're trying not to get caught, you don't want it in your browser history, plus it took so long anyways, is you're going to the, the video store and picking something up and taking it home. That's your access to stuff. So when you don't have porn, it does make a difference, right? Yeah. Like porn is still, I mean, we're still getting magazines then. Like that's crazy, yeah. <laughs> but but there's still print porn. So when somebody, you know, if you're a queer kid in a, in a red state and you're kind of undercover, maybe you go to the video store and take something home and nobody ever knows that why you took it home is for you know, those guys in the white boxer briefs or more. Yeah. Or, I mean, David or Dakota doing the work of like, like subversive, safe to take home from the video store, like messaging for yeah. queer people, for he, queer kids. He's like, he's like the underground porn railroad. Yeah, it's true. It's I mean, true. And and the other thing that happens because of the 9-11 environment is is just everything is on a fucking binary. Now, we as humans have natural tendency to put everything on a binary anyways. Mm-hmm. But I would say in the aughts, it is extrapolated to what we see everywhere into mm-hmm. the point of by erasure. I bring this up because it's like you are gay or you're straight. That's yes. gay and that's bad. Straight, good. <laughs> like, yeah. That's our slang. That's it. But it's we it's almost like nobody like at school. It was it was it was you know kids were calling each other fags. No one was no one was using the word bisexual to put you down because no. bisexuality didn't exist. I remember hearing offensive jokes about like about bisexuality, and it was considered to be like a stepping stone, right? It's like to yeah. being gay. Nobody, yeah, by now, gay later. Yeah, and there's just all of these ways to put down and invalidate an identity. You sent me. A joke about how bisexuality turned, what was it, 38 this year? Yeah, it was, <laughs> the, it was a cover of Time magazine that Newsweek. was like announcing basic, oh, N- Newsweek, that was b- announcing basically the arrival of the bisexual. And what year was that? 95. Yeah. So we're talking about even as an identity in the main, now, of course, bisexuals have existed all throughout history, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yes. if we know to anything, clear. we know that historical figures all fucked each other, right? Like, you just Google oh anybody God. and you're like, put the word gay after it and you find out everybody was bi. We're fine. And you, and you make someone wealthy enough, everybody's fucking queer. Honestly, and that's why vampires are gay. Yeah, because everybody, you make somebody bored and rich enough, everybody's queer. Bored and rich, you're going to do it. Absolutely. So, and and vampires are obviously those things when you're yes. around forever. Um, and so with with bi identity and the only bi identity in films, honestly, even fucking today, but I'm not even gonna, we don't even have time for that. Is <laughs> is the treacherous, problematic villain of the bisexual? Right. It's like it's always it's always un, uh, a bisexual in film is always untrustworthy. They're always. Yeah. 
Um, they're always harboring a secret that they're going to reveal in the third act. Like, they are dangerous. If you get too close, they might kill you. Like, that is what we get in thrillers and horror up until... And, and honestly, it's just movies. Yeah. <laughs> and so so bisexuality is not only... it's It simultaneously exists to not be believed, but also yeah. exists to to exist as a villain. I mean, yeah, it exists enough to be bad, but not enough to be valid. Oh my God. Well fucking said, put that on a shirt, except yeah, don't because yikes. where would you wear that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, truly. And so this movie eating out to tying it back to the series eating out is, is a, is a series that's predicated on the first movie, which is about, or is predicated on one concept that happens in the first and is replicated again and again in each one, much like final destination. But in the first yeah. movie, we've got this character, Mark, um, who is like a, a hot, you would probably say like self-hating gay later, but I don't think it was identified that way in the movie at the time. Right. Uh, maybe it was. And then Kyle, his, um, you know, the guy that's like wants to be with Mark, but he's just kind of like nerdy and he doesn't see who is played by Jim Vararos, mm-hmm. um, who Jim Vararos was on season one, 2002 of American Idol. When I give my heart, it will be completely. Oh my God, wow. Yeah, so why is that important? Because in 2002, Jim Vararos couldn't be out and gay on American Idol. Right, right. So for him to be out and gay in 2004 is eating out, suddenly it's like, whoa, not only is he in a movie with like full frontal nudity, but he's acting as who he is. Um, yeah. And he was formerly, you know, America's sweetheart in that way. Um, yeah. And so kind of a big deal. He returns for Eating Out 2, which is 2006. Yeah. So anyways, the the whole thing is like they, they he's he, they're trying to seduce a straight guy. And, you know, it's all this like the entanglement that results and like, will Mark get with, will Kyle get with Mark? At the end of the day, I'm making it sound even that sounds complicated. And it's actually not. I mean, the, the first movie is really. <laughs> It's pretty simple, and it boils down to some really long, but, like, very sexy, you know, kind of softcore scenes that are... It's why you bought it. You're like, I want to see this gay guy seduce this straight guy. Right, That's yeah. why you see Eating Out 1, and and there's Full Frontal. Yeah. I would say that Eating Out 2 is like, hey, we got people in the door. Now let's give them a fucking movie. And it is... It is... This is... This is a... It's a studio comedy, man. Like, that's like, it feels like a comedy ensemble. And it seems like, I having not seen Eating Out 1, Sloppy Seconds seems to just like, let's take the thing where it's just like people being like maybe kind of shitty and girls versus girls and seduce the straight. And it's like, hey, what if we made a friend comedy? And yep. we put, and we got people up to like situational hijinks. Yes. And then we laced in some like, Nice lessons about the legitimacy of bisexuality and the need for chosen family and queer community. Like, what yes. if we all wrapped that in? And also we're like, haha, Christians, fuck you guys. Like, I-, I was so, like, we just couldn't stop. We were laughing out loud watching this movie. This is a room where the age range is like 22 to like 38. And everybody to a one is like, is this movie really pulling this off right now? Yes, and it is shocking. And I think <laughs> yeah. the, the the queer family thing is important, especially when I was talking about the internet and and connectivity. Like the way that we find one another now is very different than how we found each other then. In two thousand six, 
I mean, you have to remember that's the first time Facebook opened up registration to everyone was 2006. Because before that, Facebook was only for college students. And so the, the year this movie came out, we were still not finding each other except maybe on MySpace. Um, but Yeah. Which MySpace, which by the way, used to have a search feature where if you clicked, you could search for and click the word gay and you could find all the gay people in your area. <laughs> at least in, at least until about 2006 when they removed it. Wow. But yeah. You could type in an age range, type that in, and all those profiles would pop up. And that is, friends, how some of us did find each other. I went on a date that way. My first date with a guy to the movie Garden State <laughs> was Garden thanks State! to that search feature. Wow. In, what a time in, in, in MySpace. MySpace link up to Garden State. Man, guys, welcome to Austerion. If this Holy is your first sh- listen... <laughs> I know you must be like sitting there like, holy shit, what else is there to know about this year? And and let me tell you, Lance Bass came out. Yeah. (laughs) Hannah Montana started in 2006. That's the year that gave us, that's the year that gave us 30 Rock. That's the year that Brad and Angelina had their first biological baby. That's the year that George Clooney was the sexiest man alive. That's the year that Justin Timberlake had future sex love sounds and no, it was inescapable. Wow, you had sexy to, back. This is you, this what a cataclysmic year. 2006, you can't listen, you cannot have 2007. You cannot without 2006. As we have told you before and we will tell you again. You've heard it here before, folks. It's important. <laughs> you literally can't, but also you really just can't. Yeah, you really but also you really just can't. You really can't. But 2006, what a fucking time. So, in this movie, what's fun about it, Kyle, played by Jim Vararos, mm-hmm. is actually dating Mark, the guy from the first film, who they've recast as, um, I, I think because I think the original guy was a straight actor, and I think okay. the one they recast was a queer actor, which I okay. love that decision. That's great. Yeah. And it brings back, um, you know, the two girlfriends that were dating the straight guy who was no longer in the movie, um, Tiffany and Gwen. And what's fantastic, in a surprising move, immediately... They're just like, just because we used to date the same loser doesn't mean we have to be all cunty to each other. They started out by being like, hey, we're friends. Like, let's be friends this time. And it's like, great, let's solve. And they, and then a water into the bridge. I wouldn't have any idea through the rest of this movie that these two women were once adversarial. They are just GBFs to this one struggling gay boy for the rest of the movie. And they're just lusting after the same guy who will become our like hayseed bisexual representation. You saw them approach each other while you're watching and you go, are we about to get feminism? <laughs> yeah. Is this, is this feminism? Is feminism happening? Yeah. And yes, the answer is yes. And you know what this movie also gives representation for? The fact that women love gay porn. I love that. This movie says it. There's and a character whose entire personality is that she wants to watch dudes fuck. You want me to get it on with another guy in front of you? In front of, on top of, yeah. That's her whole thing. Whole thing. And and guys, that is representation because according to statistics on Pornhub that were released, uh, I think during the pandemic, um, male same sex male on male porn is watched more by more women than men. It is primarily viewed by women. Yeah. Beautiful. So Beautiful. that is representation in 2006, a time that we are definitely not talking about that because because gay sex is gross and bad. Yeah. Um, nobody can actually say that. But we've got a character who's like, no, I think it's beautiful and I love it. And I want more of it. Yeah, and- we meet her fantasizing while she's having sex with her boyfriend about him fucking another man. 
And he's like, we're not doing this again, are we? Yeah. And she's like, that's it. I'm breaking up with you. And he's like, are you breaking up with me because I'm straight? And she's like, yes, get the fuck out of my room. Which honestly, women, we need more of this. <laughs> you, you need put you your need foot down. Put break your up foot down. With your boyfriends for being straight. Yeah. Enough. Date more queer men. Yeah. <laughs> Bye girls out there. Be dating by boys. Oh my god, especially by girls. If especially by girls. We need you, by girls. <laughs> <laughs> we need you. <laughs> so, and I will say something that is so fantastic in the opening is Kyle and Mark break up right away because Kyle is like, I told you this was gonna happen. I know, Kyle. That's all you said from day two. You're too hot, Mark. You're gonna leave me. And look how right I was. Mark keeps making hot friends, and Kyle feels insecure about it. Yeah. And. It um, right away identifies a very real problem that's happening, right? I, and, and I think culturally these problems come up again and again for each generation. But I think mm. especially in a time when there is such a value on uh, a very specific um, look that you can be that's acceptable. Yes. That, like very... each, each gay man, each queer man in this movie is a cutout of the same thing. Like even, yeah. even the few like non-white actors that are in it. Which is even like surprising that that comes that that happens. Um, they are all carved from stone. Yep. They are all like this is this. There are no bears here. Like this is a twink and twink adjacent community. The electrolysis, uh, company booth outside of this must have been busy the entire time. <laughs> not I a mean, hair to be found below the neck. Not a hair in sight. Not one. And and but everybody has stubble. So I don't know. You tell me. How's that possible? <laughs> and and as by the way, as a um as a Syrian male who has lots of body hair, yes. surviving, I barely made it out of the odds with my life. Yeah, that was. Listen, I tried it all. Veet, nair, that stuff on nads, the stuff you can eat because it's actually sugar. Which, by the way, very tasty. <laughs> I tried a, you it know, all. a precursor to sugaring, I guess. Yeah, and and now here I am addicted to dessert. So <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, odds. And Thanks, so thoughts. if you didn't if you didn't conform to this very specific look and shape and and personhood, then yeah. you like those were the only prized queers or prized gay men because everybody yeah. else then you're then you're cast as a non-sexual sidekick. And so mm-hmm. Kyle as a character is like, I don't want to be a sidekick, basically. Yeah. And they're dealing with this trope out loud, which I fucking love. Yeah. Now, does that mean his jealousy is right? No, we'll learn that. Right. Yeah. We're gonna know that. But but that's fantastic. So anyways, Kyle and Tiffany and Gwen are all going to a an art class where they draw together. Mm-hmm. And a model walks out and takes off his robe. So uh, what do you want? On my face. Full dick out, by the way. Yeah, because it's yeah that full movie. frontal film. Unless you're watching. So if you're watching Eating Out Two Sloppy Seconds, you're looking at a dick right now. Yeah. If you are watching <laughs> Eating Out Two Different Rocks which is the alt version they made for more conservative video stores and I think Best Buy, then you did not see what we're seeing. Or you may right? not have seen it. It is a cut-down version, but I still love that but subtitle. what a great title. Love Different it. Rocks. It tells you everything what you're going to get into with this movie. It honestly does. It's all like, about it, embracing diversity within our own community. Or yeah. diversity of person. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, diversity insofar as the aughts could possibly allow for as, that. As much room as it would make, which is barely as any. Barely any. So I love this because the guy that they're drawing is a farm, uh, is like a, a former farm boy named yeah, Troy. Yeah, he's fresh off the truck. Troy. 
from Troy. Illinois. Troy from Troy. He's like sweet. He smiles a lot. He seems a little dumb, maybe. Yeah. But yeah. he's actually much smarter than he lets on. Hey there, I didn't recognize you without your penis. I had to leave it there, school property and all. And they're all pretty into him. Yeah. And But what I love about this is that rather than all being in competition, they're all there to kind of help each other get him. Yeah, they're all very supportive of each other. So Kyle, or sorry, um, so Troy confesses something. He confesses that he likes women. Mostly. <gasps> what, does that freak you out? He's also been into men. And that he doesn't want that anymore. And there's a local, like, anti-gay group. About the spread of faggotry. They've been an ongoing punchline in this movie so far, which is fantastic because they should always be a punchline. Absolutely. Um, but Troy wants to kind of join this because he yeah. wants to get rid of the part of himself that he doesn't want. Because yeah. that is what we're told, messaging-wise, in this time. And honestly, still now, which is like, oh, is this a part of you? Erase it. Because if you, and this is the and this is the trouble with, by male representation, right? Because if you can get away with being seen as one thing, mm-hmm. um, then why wouldn't you have that without sacrificing the privilege being seen as a queer person? Being gay just seems like so much work. Amen, sister. Now, first you have to tell everyone. That's no fun. And then there's rejection. You're never hot enough. STDs. If you're lucky. There, there's this group uh, coming in. I kind of want to go check them out because I think they might fix me. The anti-gays? Ex-gays. Just like you, Kyle, right? What? What? Kyle used to be gay. You two should hang out. Kyle's next gay. Yeah. You should hang out with him. Because Kyle's just been broken up with by his boyfriend, who is like, you need to have a life outside of this relationship, and you need to go make hot friends, and you need to be more interesting. And he's a little tough on him, but at the same time, like, the arc that we see Kyle having throughout the movie is that, like, yeah, Kyle did kind of need his own personality. And yep. he needed to branch out beyond his relationship and not be so insecure within it. And just kind of, like, Im- get deal with his own internalized homophobia, whereas his boyfriend is a very confident and out queer guy. Yes. And a very confident out queer guy who, when he sees uh, Troy, he's like, okay, I want that too, maybe. Yeah. But it seems like he mostly only wants Troy so that he can make Kyle jealous. Yeah. Because it turns out when Kyle starts getting the things that Mark said he should have, Mark's like, oh, feeling a little FOMO. Yeah, yeah. So Kyle takes Troy to an ex-gay meeting, and it's fucking fantastic because Kyle is still his old gay self being loud and proud, with the exception of just here and there being like, no, but I'm an ex-gay. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And we get, like, you know, the therapy session of all these very, it's a very, but I'm a cheerleader, like, all of these extremely gay men who are trying to not be but very overtly obviously are telling these stories of like lust and desire that are only so tangentially connected to women that they could count as like not gay dalliances and we're getting the great situational comedy of all these men pretending that they're interested even remotely in vaginas and we get that one fantastic lesbian character yes because she is and she's because you know i think I'm sitting there watching it being like, oh, God, she's just going to be the butt end of a lot of lesbian jokes because she's in a gay movie with a primarily um, a gay male perspective. And that doesn't bode well, especially in the aughts, for a, no. a solitary queer woman. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing with the bisexual character. I'm like, okay, they even make some, like, biphobic jokes using the humor of the time, right? Mm-hmm. When it's, like, about Troy and him being confused or whatever, you know? And so it's like, you think that this movie is actually leaning into this stuff, but as it progresses... It kind of takes you by surprise when Mm -hmm. it takes those characters seriously as people in the third act. 
Mm-hmm. So this meeting happens. We're introduced to this the leader of the group who is just like fucking insufferable. Um, we're we're introduced. And what to- is is the name of the group coming in? Coming in. <laughs> coming in. Yes. Coming in. Um, I think it's, is it Derek is the guy? I think. Probably. But anyways, with his, uh, with Octavio, who is um, just a beautiful man, <laughs> who is obviously very into Kyle right away. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Uh, this scheme is happening and Mark has overheard kind of enough to know what, what they're up to. Mm-hmm. Right? Or did Mark overhear it or not? I'm trying to think. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he just notices what's happening. I think he kind of notices what's happening. Okay. So Mark notices what's going on with Kyle, and he's like, I'm going to seduce him. Yeah. So with the help of his good friend Gwen, mm-hmm. um, or roommate Gwen, they end up having like an, a homoerotic- Who is his ex-girlfriend, who I think is like the last girl that he had sex with. Yes. Yes. And, and so they have a previously sexual relationship. Yeah. But- no more, uh, much to her dismay, I imagine. Yeah, I would have believed so, yes. Um, and, and what happens is, like, Mark Mark is the one in that a hot gay guy can with a guy that looks like Troy. He's like, hey, you need a workout, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they start yeah. hanging out, running together, that kind of thing. And so while Kyle is pretending to be an ex-gay, what Mark has on Kyle is he's like, yeah, I am who I am and I love who I am. And he yeah. starts modeling what it is to be an out, happy, queer person. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. What, being gay? Yeah. And imagine that you think you're going to live your life one way. You get a job, you get married, get a three-bedroom house, and then you discover this thing about yourself. It opens up a million new options as to how you can live your life. Suddenly you don't have those milestones that straight people have to compare each other against. You can choose your own adventure. And that's how he's choosing to attract Troy. Mm-hmm. So by the and time it's he, working. And it's working. And so by the time he gets him home, and Gwen, who has like really gotten into this artist thing, she's been like drawing dudes together and she's like all about it. She's like, Can I draw you two? Because she walks in on them in a moment that has like some tension, right? Yeah. And then she and he's like, Oh, it's gonna take a while, and she wants to do a series, so she's like, Perfect. I'll get my camera. You sure? Yeah. Choose your own adventure. And then proceeds to just make a make a scene from a porn, but just shot by shot with a still camera. And it's just like, okay, get closer. Okay, now lick him. Okay, now do this. Okay, now get down on your knees. Like, she is just directing a scene out of a pornographic film. She truly is. And it's so hot. It's so hot. I love it. It's that so she's, hot. And I think it's so hot, especially because it's through, because she's the one in control. Of, yeah. Of wanting this and creating the fantasy that she wants but it's also a fantasy that both of them want and we're kind of afraid to go for and she gets to a certain point where she's like oh my card's full i'm gonna go to my room and i should this should only take me like 10 15 minutes to change i'm gonna close my door um, while i'm in my room she's a good friend and she's just like she's got what she needs pretty much like she wants to continue the photo shoot but she's like okay now uh you know in exchange for that cooperation like I'm going to leave you guys to it. I'm going to head upstairs and shut my door. I also love, though, that the card full, the card full excuse is actually a really good excuse because in the aughts, you could take like 10 pictures before your card's full. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, yeah, I mean, she's got to get up there and it could take a a year to to get those pictures off the camera. She's probably got 512 megs on that card and that's about it. Who knows what's happening? I mean, we know she's only got- And it cost her $100. In 2006, she's only got 12 profile pictures on on MySpace. So 
who knows what she can fit on that $1,200 camera. <laughs> so the two of them, like much to much to our surprise, but also maybe Mark's surprise, Troy really goes for it. Yeah. He pulls them in. They start making out. They're getting really into it. And there's a very, you know, very sexy scene that begins. Um, and by begins, I mean, uh, Troy is satisfied by Mark. Mm-hmm. But when it comes time for Mark to get his, um, he's having hesitations. Yeah, because he sees a photo of Kyle. And ultimately, Mark, like, Mark's thing is that he loves Kyle. He goes upstairs to talk to Gwen about what's going on. It's like, hey, I don't think I can do it. Yeah. And Gwen's like, all right, let's talk about the whole plan out loud so it can be over yeah, by let's, Troy. Yeah, let's give all of the plot. And, yeah. uh-oh, Troy is within earshot of this. Yeah. And so Troy obviously overhears this and then leaves in a little bit of a huff. And I think Mark doesn't know that he's been overheard, but he's just like, well, I, I got to go find him. We did skip over one thing. As Troy gets close with Kyle, they have a very fun sex scene that is like mm-hmm. so fucking weird. But it's also yeah. weirdly hot eventually. And it's like, how? How is this sexy? <laughs> but it happens. So Kyle and Troy start going to meetings together, like the ex-gay meetings. And uh, Kyle even watches a football game with him or some kind of sports game. I wasn't really. Yeah, he enjoys he enjoys watching the game with Troy. Yeah, he's like, go sports. You know, yeah. and it's like, and he's like, all right, we can still win this. And and I think at that point, Troy's like, no, the game's already over. Yeah, the game's it's over, been, actually. Yeah, that's it. So it's not going to happen. It's like, oh, okay, he turns it off. And, yeah. Uh, and at this point, um, Troy shares some things about his past, about, um, you know, feeling insecure about uh, his oral skills with women. Yeah. Um, and it turns out, by the way, running joke about Troy is he just can't give anybody head. No, not anybody. <laughs> he's not just anybody. not good. It doesn't. It's not. It's not because and because mistakenly, obviously, Kyle's like, oh, he's just not into girls then. Yeah. Um, and it's like, no, he's just like a lot of hot guys, a lousy lover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just never had to be good at this. So he's not. So Kyle, like, does this weird thing where he puts two fingers out and he starts trying to use his fingers as a model for how to give a woman oral sex. Yeah. And then he moves his fingers over for Troy to do on his fingers. It's really good. Sorry, it's the game, guys. What the hell? I was just uh, showing Troy some tips on the art of cunnilingus. <laughs> Not that I need them. <clears throat> Tiffany walks in on them. And she's just like, and of course, Kyle has said that they have an arrangement, which is also something that I love because, like, that gives them the option of, like, Tiffany still wants him too. So it's like, no, are you sure you don't want to stay? <laughs> yeah, because she's like, she's the beard. She's the beard for his formerly gay life. And now they're happily together, and Mink Stole plays his mom, and she's trying her best to be a fucking P-flag parent, oh my but God. she's really struggling. And she's so excited when she sees Tiffany and her son together because, oh, thank God, it's the best gift he could have ever given her. I bet Kyle's mom grew to be okay with it, but you saw how happy she was, and that's what parents really want for their kids. If you ask... Most parents will say they just want their kids to be happy. Because we meet her being supportive and very present for her she son on a phone call. Super supportive. And then we see her just have, like, a euphoric response to him possibly de-gaying himself and being straight again. And which, she's like, oh, thank, with the relief of my life. Which, you know, Troy's response is, wow, that's so cool. And later Mark's like, you know, that's actually not cool. I bet Kyle's mom grew to be okay with it, but you saw how happy she was. That's what parents really want for their kids. If you ask, most parents will say they just want their kids to be happy. It's wild 
at how relevant that conversation is when it's a joke. At the end of the day, it all spawns out of a joke with Mink Stoll from Ooh, John Waters with films. Mink fucking like, Stoll. And it's like, okay, this comedy is actually delivering me things that I am feeling and experiencing as a human and had mm-hmm. experiences with, especially at that time. So it's like, cool. Um, yeah. And what I do love is Mink Stoll's arc because eventually when Mark's like, or when Kyle's like, no, mom, I am gay. She's like, she, it's because she has this breakdown where she's like, I saw that the Oscars are coming up. Well, I thought, who am I going to watch the Oscars with? And then that Brittany Aguilera song came on. You know, that one about you're beautiful even if you're ugly and gay. And I thought, who is going to play me this shitty music? And who is going to take me dancing when I've had a bad day? Oh, Mom, come on. Oh, no, you stop. You're going to get married and have kids, for Christ's sake. I'm going to visit with my girlfriend, and all we're going to talk about is our grandchildren. And that is so boring. (laughs) And And that's that's so so boring. boring. There is an amazing part in this movie where I don't remember if it's Mark who says it, but it's like somebody says the line, like, if we all wanted, like, if we all wanted the same thing, we would just be straight people. Oh, my God. That is such a good line. Talking about, like, no, we, and, like, they are all kind of the same in this movie. Again, like, same same font of person. But, like, the reason why they don't want the same structures, the reason why they don't want the same restrictions within their relationships or the same kinds of, like, just social social communal behaviors. It's like, if we just all wanted the same thing, if we all wanted the same kind of person, we'd just be straight. And that, for me, that... That fucking sealed it in wax for me. Well, and I think what we're looking at is is a lot of there are a lot of different characters. Like and there and there are a lot of sex scenes. But yeah. uh because I was gonna say one of them is like we we meet Octavio, who is mainly the only some of the only um representation of color in this film. Mm-hmm. And of course and I, I it depends on how you interpret it. I thought Octavio was making fun of Kyle's super white inability to even say his name. Yeah. Or willingness to want to in a post 9-11 xenophobia, time of xenophobia. But what I like is this movie actually shows Octavio as not just a a sexy person, but like somebody who is actively engaged in the plot, especially in the third act of moving the story forward. It's like, wow, I didn't see that coming. I mean, the movie (laughs) opens with, this is something our community still has a problem with, um, but it opens with a lead character, like a white character seducing um, an Asian male. Mm-hmm. And we still just culturally as a society have had a problem. Like how big of a deal was um, Crazy Rich Asians, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, and having a leading man who is, is just like so fucking hot. Mm-hmm. But like that as a culture, we're all, that is existing for us in such a mainstream way. So mm-hmm. for this movie to open up with that, um, you know, especially with a, with a, with a problem in our community that so much has been memorialized by uh by a drag queen no fats no femmes no asians right yeah um it was kimchi who sang that song and she's mm-hmm. an asian queen and it's like because that's what you saw in grinder profiles is just those three things and that's mm-hmm. just so gross and it's like so to open with that is a choice to be 2006 opening with this and casting that way Mm-hmm. It's intentional, and I'm happy about it. So, yes, most of the characters, especially the main characters, are 
are white and and mm-hmm. they are varying degrees of white gay maleness but this movie does actually put it out there and when we talked to when i talked to paul etheridge for the doc and paul etheridge cast hellbent in 2004 he talked about the challenges of casting yeah. diversity even when you want to so i know that this director um q allen Braca, had to have or no uh sorry he was the writer uh philip j bartell is the director he mm-hmm. had to have fought for this casting so anyways going back to that um the diversity of person tends to come with what they like so like Gwen and Tiffany, like, as you put it, like, Gwen, her sexuality is gay men. She wants to see gay men do shit. Tiffany, she's just open. She's like, whatever. If we're going to do it together, great. Like, then uh, Kyle, they can have a threesome. Because she's like, yeah, Kyle can be there. We're both going to share Troy. That's her attitude. With Kyle, he's very clearly gay. And with Troy, he's working through something that you feel like the movie might call gay at the end. And it turns out... In this scene, at the end, it kind of doesn't. So here's where we're at. Yeah. He leaves the photo shoot at Gwen's. Troy leaves the photo shoot at Gwen's and decides he's Because he's been, he's at this point overheard the entire ruse that Kyle's been trying to carry out on him. And he's like, all right, I'm going to fucking do something about this. God, I bet when you look like Troy, this kind of thing happens all the time. It's like, wow, did (laughs) I, did I just make four new friends or is everybody trying to fuck me? Yeah, I right? bet this I is mean, like, this is hot girl sympathy. This is hot is. girl sympathy. It truly is, which I that's why I like what happens next because rather than continuing to be an object, he becomes active in this uh in in what happens next. Uh-huh. So, he comes over and he's like, "Yeah, I want uh, that arrangement, Kyle Tiffany, let's do it." And he's like, yeah, and, "And let's see it." They're all going for it, and it's great. But what's happening is Kyle and Tiffany want to share him, and he keeps pushing them together. You two kiss. Kyle, yeah. you go down in Tiffany, which I think is fantastic. He's because- like, I'm bad at this. Show me how you do it. I want you to teach me. And Tiffany has to pretend like he's doing a good job. Oh, yes. That's it. You can do it. Make Mama proud. And what a friend. <laughs> What a friend. What a friend. And so once Troy gets what he wants, which is to see Kyle in a position that he has manipulated him into, um, I guess, you know, vengeance has been served and he gets dressed and gets up to leave. And Kyle's like, where are you going? And he's like, yeah, look, I know what's going on. Yeah, you've been using me. And that's really rude of you. And then that's when uh, Mark and Gwen bust in. Yeah, they walk in the door. They're just like, who have seen what's going on because they're looking through the windows like weirdos. Um, but I'll take it. And they're just like, and everybody's just kind of confronted with this thing. And what I love is they all just really want to be friends with him still. Well, it doesn't matter now. Like he's going to want to have anything to do with us. Now, well, the fucked up thing is, even though you lied to me and each other and to people you don't even know, I like you. Liars. And he still yeah, wants like, them. It's like. It's like they're, they're you know, they're kind of like, they're all kind of coming clean and everyone's being pretty nice and apologizing for the shitty things they've done. And I, I just, I love the, mo- the moment of Troy being like, well, even though you guys lied to me and you kind of did this mean stuff, he's like, I just, I still just want to be friends with you all. And they're all yeah. like, hey, let's all be a friend group. And so it ends with them all just being like, let's just be college buddies. And you can imagine them 10 years down the road over drinks being like oh my god remember how we met oh that was so crazy i can't tell you how many of my lifelong friends i met this way (laughs) i mean truly i watched that and i was like that's representation oh a hookup gone wrong and now we're friends forever 
<laughs> you know, cool. <laughs> and so I, it, it to me, it's a really touching moment, especially because and this so is where it gets touching. after school, especially. But Kyle's like, I'm sorry. I should have helped you instead of trying to take advantage of you not knowing what you were. So, what do we do now? We're gonna stop people like me. No one should take advantage of confused queer kids, and the sooner we help them see past what it is they don't like in themselves, so they can see all the great things right in front of them, the better. No one should ever take advantage of a confused queer kid. Yeah, nobody. It's a moment where it's like, I like that our gay characters, which I think we, you hear this come up a lot now in terms of of, of the conversation about how we write gay characters, but in this movie, our gay characters are allowed to make mistakes. They're allowed to have complete arcs. They're allowed to do something and realize, hey, you know what? That's not what I want to do anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. So for Mark to, uh, so for Kyle to realize that, it it's a big deal. And to say it yeah. to us, to say it to camera, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> hey, we're going to have each other's backs and we are not going to erase people's identity because that's what Troy comes to the conclusion of. He's like, look, I'm bi. Yeah. That's it. I, I do like men and women and yeah. I'm not confused. Yeah, I'm not confused. I'm bisexual. There's no such thing. Says who? They all have to accept that. And I think that that, there is a lot of biphobia within the gay community still. And there Mm -hmm. definitely was then. And so it's a lesson that these, that the gay characters have to learn, which is like, we can't pigeonhole this guy because that's where we want him. It's like, there needs to be the space for him to exist. And it, and then like, and, and we have like in the background, obviously we have coming in. And the stop the spread of faggotry, which has been in the background of the movie the entire time. Well, thankfully, now that we have our band of friends together, they're going to be like, you know what? Let's ruin that fucking homophobic on-campus group and totally implode their entire agenda. So then our Avengers get to come together. I was just going to call them the Avengers. That is what they are. Our Avengers get to come together and end this wing of homophobia on their college campus. Gwen uses her art skills to recreate all of their posters and make them super gay and debut them at this big, like, coming in meeting where they've invited all their parents and the leader's yeah. mom's there and she's being a total <clears throat> bitch, but Kyle's being awesome about it. Ah, Jacob's never mentioned you. Oh, well, it's probably because he's been so busy talking about all the girls he's been dating, huh? <laughs> and so when they unveil the new art, she's appalled. But they Yeah, because have- it's just it's just homoerotic art. We present Coming In's newest ad campaign. Gay sex sucks. And Octavio has seduced the ex-gay guy. I think it's Derek, but who knows? But the ex-gay lead. The leader of coming in. Oh, no, it's Jacob. Um, So Octavio has seduced Jacob, the leader of coming in, into a porter potty on wheels. Yeah, they've set up a... He's lured him in by... He's on the guy's... The hood of the guy's car with his shirt undone. And Jacob is clearly very turned on by Octavio. So then Octavio gets off the car, goes into a nearby porta potty, and sort of gestures for the guy to follow him. And so Jacob does, and then proceeds to start fucking him in the porta potty. And that, as as that is happening, we have two of our other, I think it's Troy and maybe Tiffany, are pushing the porta potty into the conference room where this coming in meeting is happening. So that Jacob can be unveiled in his reality to the entire room. Uh-huh. And look, is it cool to out people? No. Is this no. movie from 2006? Yes, it just has yes. fun. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
I didn't know adding someone could be so much fun. Ooh. That's, I think that was to me the single worst thing that was said. I, I would agree. That's the yeah. one moment where it's like, wow, everything else aged well, but this. That did not. I think, yeah. I think this is maybe not it for, yeah. for the movie. <laughs> yeah. But, but that said, does it make for a really funny moment? Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is like, it's like this guy who has been awful to so many people and instrumental into to helping ruin the lives of people who are confused. Yeah. Like, lead them down the wrong path. He gets kind of like his. And then what we see is all the members kind of have happy endings. They embrace who they are. Well, like and, the- and, and the way that Jacob is fully exposed, they roll the porta potty into the room as he is about to orgasm. He the door is opened of the porta potty and he is greeted directly with his mom in front of him and he proceeds to ejaculate all over her jacket. Because eating out still got to be eating out, guys. <laughs> this this series, I mean, like I feel like because of American Pie and what was happening with straight culture, they were like, "What is American Pie for queer people?" And that's what they went for. That's what this is. This is American Pie for queer people. It, that is the target that this is aiming at. And if there isn't spunk on somebody, then you have not made an American Pie film. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so or or there's something about Mary or any of all those movies with all of that stuff. It's like so. I feel like this. They're like, hey, we still got gross out humor, which is awesome yeah. because it like yeah. this movie manages to have like many very sexy scenes. Lots of full frontal nudity, if that's why you rented the movie, which yeah. is great because a lot of people did, but then secretly got a lot of really great message and gross out comedy. It yeah, really it checks a lot a of surprise, boxes. It is, a, in fact, surprise reveal in one scene where Troy and Mark are having a conversation and we're just, it's framed with them shirtless from the waist up. And then the frame goes wider and pulls back. And it turns out Mark's been wearing shorts the entire time. And it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. he wasn't naked this entire conversation? That's weird. And then I was like, oh, it must be in that actor's writer. And then it was like, then he's naked like two scenes later. And it's like, oh, I guess not. Okay. Yeah, then he just, yeah, then he just, dropped, just, just, just dropped the shorts right there in the, in the frame. And Gwen, which is really interesting because Gwen kisses the lesbian girl at one point in a way that's like. Yeah, because like, the lesbian girl's like, no, nah, I'm straight. I figured it out. And so Gwen just, just goes in for a big kiss. And then she's like, tell me you didn't like that. Tell me, tell me you're straight now. Tell me you're straight now. And the girl tries to kiss Gwen again. And she's like, oh, no, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm straight. But then, but then. By the end of it, they work on art together. It's really cute. And then there's a moment where they do kiss. And Gwen's like, That doesn't mean I'm not open to new experiences. Come here. Yeah, I'm open to possibilities. Because even Gwen, a straight, a a self-identified straight character who's like, nope, this is the line for me, kind of discovers, hey, this is something I like too. Hell yeah, yeah, pansexuality. Like, (laughs) this movie is is giving us that. And, And at the end, it models a really cool relationship because Troy's like, You know how you and Kyle pretending to have that arrangement you mean the three ways yeah um how would you feel if you really had that with me because i i'd be honored to be your boyfriend but he still wants to exist as a person who gets to have the experiences he wants to have and tiffany being the progressive awesome very funny person that she is (laughs) um is like hell yeah let's do it she and says, the two of them. No one's ever asked me that before. No one's ever asked me that before. Because she starts the movie being like, I don't want to be a slut anymore. I want a boyfriend. Yes. But now she gets to be slutty and have a boyfriend. She gets it all. This is a movie where everybody gets it all. <laughs> it is. It is. And Mark and Kyle get back together. Mark and Kyle get back together, having learned lessons that will strengthen their relationship at least another two months. 
and <laughs> I don't I don't see these men being together forever. <laughs> but Mink stole, I think her resolve, her newfound clarity over having a gay son, I think that's permanent. Truly. I that's he, he will never be able to say anything otherwise again. Mink no. stole will set him straight. Yeah, Mink stole is going to be Debbie Novotny from Queer as Folk now. So eating out two sloppy seconds. I'm immediately ready for sloppy thirds. Like I am too, because different rocks. Different rocks. Why that makes it an especially great alt title is because the characters say it at the end. Yeah. Better than boys. Different. Different rocks. Because it is about embracing what's different, especially within our community, at a time when historically we were not embracing our differences as a community. We were trying to assimilate. And we were doing it for political reasons. Assimilation Mm -hmm. would... It felt at the time assimilation would help us achieve marriage equality, which would help us move forward with against the anti-gay legislation. But it affected us as a community in a very big way. And so for this movie to be like, no, don't assimilate. Do your own thing and make it work. Yeah. It's like a really fucking big deal, guys. Yeah. It's a big deal. And it's in a movie that is, I think, I think my favorite thing about it is that it, it's like, hey, guys, you can have both. Like you can have gross out humor and you can have, you can have, you know, eye fluttering full frontal nudity and you can make jokes and you can also be really sincere and you yes. can also just make really earnest, nice points about a, the way of the world would be better if it could be. Like you can actually do both at the same time. You don't have to sacrifice one on the altar of the other. And when it comes to respectability politics in the aughts, it's like you couldn't be like you're making a choice by putting gay sex in a movie with a gay character. Oh, God. Yeah. And so it's like this movie saying, no, you can have it. It doesn't just have to be softcore porn. You can actually have gay sex and have it be a real movie with a message worth hearing. Yeah, I think that it's kind of a thing of like what, you know, the joy of horror, which is taking something that because it is admonished by, you know, historically admonished by like polite society and polite movie watchers and it's considered a lower form of art. It allows you the ability to sneak a lot in there because the expectation on it is so low already. Its bar of clearance is so low. It's it's an outlier. So you can get away with a lot of shit over there that movies people are more focused on or that are held to a higher standard of respectability might not be able to work into their films. And so taking something like this that springs from like soft core porn and, you know, getting your jokes off is like, hey, guys. No one's watching anyway. Like, who's going to stop us? Like, this is, we're already doing the thing that, like, most people aren't allowed to, that you're not allowed to do at, like, a studio level. We've already got, like, dicks in here, and we've already got gay sex and gay people talking about gay shit. So, okay. We're not going to stand off our edges. Let's just put a little bit more in. Like, let's go a little further. And I think it's a great use of lowbrow cinema to accomplish something that it feels more difficult for highbrow cinema to do at times. And I would say that in a time when we get a lot of gay art with a capital G, I think this is queer art. That's a very good point. Um, I'm going to send you in the chat the DVD cover. Tell me that this man on the cover is not the actor playing Troy. This is not Troy, right? That is not Troy. So on the cover of Eating Out 2, Troy, Troy, our our leading guy, Troy from Troy, is definitely not present. They just have, but because it's the aughts, any model will do. Are you a shirtless Abercrombie type? You're on the cover. You are now Troy. I swear (laughs) to God, that is not him. There's no way. I just don't think so. 
So yeah, this and this is absolutely a cover of just pornography. And and but that's the that's the way that you would advertise a film like this to get people in the door. You had to have that <laughs> bare naked torso with the low rise jean. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, this is for us. Um, so I will say the follow up movie, Eating Out All You Can Eat. Um, that's part three. That has uh, that came out in two thousand nine, and that introduces Chris Salvatore, who comes back for the next two. So there's a new cast. The the connecting character is just. Um, Rebecca Cochan, which is great because she plays Tiffany and she's honestly my favorite character in the whole series. So <laughs> yes, Tiffany will come back. Um, but it unfortunately, this is the last we see of our tribe of friends who I wish we got another one of. <laughs> I wish. Because like, just like Scream, I want to come back and hang with my friends. That's exactly it. So after that, in 2011, they did shoot um, two back to back and released them both in 2011. A real brotherhood situation <laughs> where you get eating out drama camp and eating out the open weekend. So it Eating is the, out drama camp. Yes, which takes place at a drama camp. It is great. It is camp rock, but eating out. <laughs> Outstanding. So, it, so this movie, all this series, all exists from 2004 to 2011. So if you want an aughts time capsule, I highly suggest moving through these because they are so topical that you will see the exact issues that are that we were dealing with at the time of each of those years, but also are kind of evergreen because we are queer people. And we're we're not out yet. We're not out the other side of it yet. We are out. We're, we're not out the other side of it yet. Yeah, I should finish my sentences. So, Jordan, <laughs> why is this hot scary on? Uh, this is such a fantastic example of exactly what we talk about here, which is the hidden value. The mm. hidden value beneath a packaging that begs you not to take it seriously. Yes. That begs you to underestimate it. That begs you to consign it to the trash bin. And it is a perfect example of the value of what people would consider garbage and the value of taking a chance on something even if you are predisposed to judging the book by its cover or maybe it's not really your thing. Like, I, I think this is a true take a chance on cinema movie because there's no way, there's no way, even if it's not like your new favorite fucking movie, there's no way you will predict the value within the material just looking at that cover with the not even same actor as the torso model telling you that this is softcore and you're going to see dicks and chests. Like, it is just, it is, it is the perfect testament to like, hey, give it a chance. Give it a chance and keep an open mind. Yes. I love that. And I will say I, that's why it's not tearing up for me is really similar, which is like we keep we constantly talk about titles that get missed because or overlooked because they are marketed as one thing. This is yeah. this is marketed correctly though. I would argue this is how it needed to be marketed. <laughs> I think that's totally fair. Like this is this is how this needed to be found at the time on the shelves. So I don't think they could have changed a thing. But I think that kind of marketing can also be misleading and that there's yeah. actually something really valuable here um that that all you have to do is take a look and it's like whether like you said whether it's your favorite movie or not you're gonna find you're gonna have a good time and you're gonna feel like that's the yeah. shocking part to me so it's like to me this this is right in line with all of the gems we pick out of the trash and polish off Completely and it goes it right on the shelf with black xmas the uk cut you know <laughs> One hundred percent. You don't have this. You don't have the covenant. Oh my god! And we need the covenant. <laughs> I need the covenant. As somebody who is not does not participate in sex or 
um, is, is interested in the experience of sex in their own life, but who does, and like, I don't generally seek out porn, but the only porn that would be compelling to me is gay porn, because I find straight porn very upsetting. Honestly, same. I'm Well, okay. You know what? <laughs> well, okay. Friend. You're like, I don't watch it, so I wouldn't know. You know, I can, <laughs> I, like, like Gwen at the end of this film, I like to be open to possibilities. I like to be, I like to be flexible and open-minded. Different rocks. That's why it's panromantic gray asexual. There it is. Different rocks. Mm.